0: Welcome to Brit David podcast and another great message from Pastor Tim entitled, The Lord is My Good Shepherd, from Psalm chapter 23. The 23rd Psalm has brought comfort to a lot of people for many generations. One reason is it is a passage often used at funerals. But David doesn't write this for a funeral, and he certainly doesn't write it for the departed. He writes it for us as we live day by day in this world. It is an acknowledgement that I don't face life alone. God is always by my side. Here's Pastor Tim.
1: Sean was super creative tonight. We are in the book of Psalms and so everything that we've sung tonight has been from the book of Psalms and I appreciate him doing that Uh, tonight so much. So you know where we are, we're in the book of Psalms, and uh, with 150 chapters to choose from, it can be kind of difficult to pick which one should I pick, you know. So I want us to go today, tonight, to the 23rd Psalm. It's a psalm that has meant a lot to a lot of people. In fact, sometimes it's been called every man's psalm, or every man's hymn. Because it means so much to so many people. Here's the the only issue, the only drawback that I have with that. We typically use this psalm only at funerals. David didn't write it for that. He didn't write it for a funeral. He didn't write it for the dead. He wrote it for us. He wrote it for life. He wrote it for those who are living day by day, following after the Lord. In that way, it really is every man's psalm, because it's a psalm that is, that is impactful for everybody, no matter what it is that you are going through. So I want us to take this psalm and just sort of take it line by line, verse by verse, as we go through, to let you know that the Lord is not only my shepherd, He is my good shepherd. If you're following along, we begin in verse number one. And I would say this to you, the Lord is mine personally. He is mine personally. The way that he begins this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. It's important to know that you can know him personally because he is indeed a person. Now being a person doesn't mean that he's a human being as if he is some kind of exalted or highly evolutionized man. That's that's certainly not what I mean. But to be a person simply means that he has personhood, or if I could use this word, personality. A person is defined as an individual with a mind, with emotions, and with a will. God has all of those things. In fact, I want to just take you on a little bit of a tour. If you're taking notes today, let me give you a whole bunch of verses at this point that you can go back and look at. I want you to know that God's personhood first is defined for us in Scripture. That who God is, the very nature of His person is described for us and defined for us right here in the Bible. And it's from the Bible that we understand that He does have Personhood. For example, God has a mind. He has intellect. When we talk about creation, we're talking about intelligent design. Listen to these verses Psalm 139 and verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus had thoughts, didn't he? He had a mind, one that would grow at the end of Luke, Luke 2.52. The Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. And of course, in Romans chapter 8, in verse number 27, the Bible says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We're not talking about a God who has no intellect, no reasoning about him. Instead, we're talking about someone who is not only defines intelligence, but creates it for us. Not only does he have a mind, the Bible also says that God has emotions. He has emotions. A person has emotions. God has emotions. Psalm 78, verses 40 and 41. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Maybe a verse that you're very familiar with and you know it to be the shortest verse in the whole Bible. John chapter 11 and verse number 35, the Bible says that Jesus wept, wept out of his emotions over Lazarus being dead and Mary and Martha grieving. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God has a mind, God has emotions, and God has a will. He is volitional. He has a will that is of his own. In fact, if I recall your mind back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 27 where it talks about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us. Remember he says that he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. First Corinthians chapter 1 begins with Paul saying, introducing himself and saying, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 15, Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, For the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. God has personhood. And it's not because we have somehow created God in our own image, but the fact that He has created us in His image and has revealed Himself to us through the Scriptures that we might get to know Him and to know Him personally. His personhood is defined in the Scriptures with these verses, but His personhood is also demonstrated in the Scriptures. It's not just that the Bible says, this is, this is who God is, now there's that. Instead, we get to see Him in action using all of these things. For example, God expresses anger. The Bible says God is a just God. And God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible says that He laughs. It says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. At the same time, He has compassion. The Bible says, For the Lord will judge His people And he will have compassion on his servants. He loves. The Bible says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then, of course, the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the same God who loves is also a God who hates. The Bible says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. He teaches The Bible says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. He reproves. The Bible says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And he leads. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, I go through all of those verses. But why is that important? It's important because if he is a person then he can be known personally. You can have not an abstract relationship with God, but a concrete, personal relationship with God. You can say like David says right here in the Scriptures, the Lord is my shepherd. And there's a world of difference between being able to say the Lord is a shepherd and being able to say the Lord is my shepherd. It's very different, isn't it? The Bible says, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And what does our passage say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or I shall not be in want. I shall not lack anything. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Do you need rest? Well, it says that he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Do you need guidance? It says, He leads me beside the still waters. Do you need a fresh start in life? The Bible says that He restores my soul. Do you need companionship? He says, For you are with me. You want comfort? He says, Your rod and your staff, they do comfort me. Do you need food? He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you want blessings from God? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. For the rest of my life, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The first thing that I learned about the Lord in this Psalm 23 is that He can be mine personally. Number two, the Lord is not only mine personally, the Lord is my peace. The Lord is my peace. Listen, there is a wonderful offer that God made to his people through his prophet Isaiah. But the people absolutely refused what God was trying to do for them. Listen to this. This is from Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. That sounds good, doesn't it? The people said, thanks, but no thanks. we don't need that from the Lord. If we're going to have quietness and confidence, we can get that ourselves. But David didn't refuse. And you don't have to refuse. In fact, it's what David is describing in this particular verse, in this second verse. He tells us a couple of things. Number one, he tells us that sufficiency gives us peace. When, When I'm sufficiently taken care of, I have peace. There may not be anything worse than the, than the feeling that you know that you are in need and that you don't have the means to meet that need. Ask any mom who cannot afford to buy groceries for her children. But we know, don't we? We know that the Bible says that God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Now, what he does not say is God meets our needs out of His riches and glory. If the Bible said that God meets all of our needs out of His riches and glory, then that means that there's some great bucket full of the riches of the glory of God, and when you have a need, He's able to take out of it and give to you. What's the problem with that? (laughs) His bucket one day becomes like my bucket right now. You just scrape right down there to the bottom and give it all away. But it doesn't say that it's out of the riches of His glory. It says according to the riches of His glory. That means it's a part of His nature. And just as He is eternal, then His resources are eternal. And His giving is eternal. And His generosity is eternal. In other words, He provides for us sufficiently. David describes it this way. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Beside the still waters, shepherds take their sheep out to graze early, early in the morning, long before the sun has come out. Somewhere around four o'clock in the morning, shepherds take their sheep out to the fields while the dew still rests upon the grass. But when the sun rises and the temperature right along with it, somewhere around mid-morning, he takes those sheep off for another walk. To let them rest and to relax, to simply lie down beside those still waters. It's after they have eaten and now while they are resting that the sheep is actually chewing the cud. You know what they're doing? They're growing wool. They're growing more during those periods than they are at any other time. This is when they mature. This is when they grow the wool that you and I will need one of these days. They get full bellies and they get a place to rest and a place to relax. That's what we need, isn't it? We need time. There's always going to be time for us to be busy. But there needs to be times where we're led beside those still waters. It's His sufficiency. The fact that He provides for me fully that puts me at peace. But number two... It is serenity that gives me peace. It's not the same thing as peace. It's serenity that gives me peace. Notice the opening there of verse number 3. It's what this, what this feeding and resting does for us. He restores my soul. The shepherd knows that those quiet times are good for the body and they're good for the soul. It is a deep down refreshing now, back to, that, back to that phrase, he leads us beside the still waters. Your Bible probably translates it like mine does, that it's the still waters. But it doesn't mean waters that aren't moving. It's not, he's not talking about leading us to stagnant waters. Instead of, instead of describing the movement of the water, the word for still is describing the environment around those Peaceful waters. Of the 21 times that that word is used in your Old Testament, it always means a resting place, a quiet place, a comforting place. Listen to this. This is in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse number 12. The Bible says, this is the rest, that same word, this is the rest of the stillness with which you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. And David uses this same word again when he says, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. It's not the same word that's used, but it sure does remind me of Jesus saying, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle And lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. The Lord is my peace. Number three. The Lord is my pathway. He's my pathway. Verse number three ends by saying, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Let's break that little phrase down very quickly with four aspects. First of all, you should see the lane that's in this verse. The lane, he says, it's the paths of righteousness. What's he talking about? A pathway is simply the way that a person walks. He's talking about the lane that you live in, the way and the means in which you live. When he says to to walk in this path, he's not so much talking about manner as if you're trying to mimic his gait, but instead talking about direction This is the way that we are to go. This is the way that we are to walk in, the Bible says. And how are we to do that? In righteousness. These are paths, these are lanes, these are ways of living that are described as righteousness. A great big long word which simply means right living. It means simply to do what's right according to the Word of God. Listen, people have to be led. That way, don't they? We have to be led to do the things that are right. You don't have to, don't have to teach a, a child how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to cheat. You don't have to teach them to, to, to pitch a tantrum. Those things come naturally to them. They come as an element of their own sin nature, expressing that sin nature in the best way that they can, even at that very young age. You do have to teach them. How to play fair. You do have to teach them how to tell the truth. You do have to teach them how to have self-control. When it comes to righteousness, we have to be led down that lane. To be led in that path of righteousness. So number one, there's the lane. Number two, there's the leader. The leader is God. David said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. When I allow him to take the lead, to be the Lord of my life, I am submitting myself to his lordship. I am saying that you are above me and I am below you. I yield my life to you. You are my boss. You are my leader. You are my director. You simply are the Lord. The Bible says of us, there is none righteous. No, not even one. Isaiah mentioned all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags before the Lord. So I'm not going to be able to lead myself in the path of righteousness. I'm always going to go the wrong way. I'm always going to take the wrong turn. But that same Bible says of Jesus, he says, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. In the book of Malachi, he's called the son of righteousness that rises with healing in his wings. He is righteous. His works are righteous. His words are righteous. So who then is better qualified to lead us in paths of righteousness than the one who is described simply as the righteous one?
0: Pastor Tim, thanks you for joining us here today and invite you to check out other episodes here in our podcast library. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is at churchofficeatbrittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, three one nine zero nine. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David podcast.